Hey, what's up, guys? It's Brett. Hope everyone is doing amazing today and getting excited and ready for this episode of BTL. You guys are going to love this one. But before we start that off, I wanted to give everybody a quick plug and info update on a mastermind group that I re recently partnered up with. Uh, so I partnered with a few mentors of mine in this group called Revenue, and it's a, a mastermind, mentorship, coach, platform, you name it everything that you could possibly want to or need to learn about to scale your business, grow your business, even start up a business. Any ideas as far as uh, marketing, content creation, uh, finances and tax investments, mindset, relationships, connecting with others. That's what this is all about. So you're going to be it, with this opportunity. You have the ability to connect yourself with some insane high performers incredible coaches and mentors where you can simply plug away and ask them anything. And the content is all right there for you. So take a look at the show notes, click on that link, go ahead and invest in yourself and invest in your future. You will not regret it. If you do have any questions, feel free to shoot me an email. Let me know. Other than that, everybody enjoy this episode. It will blow you away. And I look forward to uh, to seeing all of you guys in the Revenue Mastermind group. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome to BTL. It's the Born to Lead podcast. This is your host, Brett Kelly. I've got an amazing influencer, an incredible mentor to many, Lars Hadenborg. He's out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And Lars, do you mind just giving yourself an introduction to the listeners we've got, man? Yeah, for sure. I uh, appreciate having me on. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, I'll give it like a, a minute uh, intro. Got into real estate 2007. Um, quickly learned that the job of, of a real estate agent is not one worth having, in my opinion. Uh, being a, a new dad and a husband, um, I just committed to a journey of, of building it out as a business where, you know, the business provides amazing, you know, uh, an amazing experience for buyers and sellers. And so I, I kind of built that thing to a hundred million dollar in volume business on the right economic model with not a bunch of bodies thrown in doing random things like some of these teams we see these days. Yep. Um, everyone has a specific purpose and, and mission on the team. Uh, and then I figured out a way to get down to one day a week in that business. And I've, I've been one day a week for, you know, I, the last home I sold was January, 2012. And I think it was probably sometime in January, it probably sometime in 2013, 2014, I went down to one day a week. And, uh, you know, from seven to five to three to two to one day a week. And uh, I launched Real Estate B-School, which is a business school for, you know, if you want to make the shift from an agent to an owner, you know, that's what we do. So we, we, we service that sort of mindset, the entrepreneurial mindset that we're seeing more of in real estate. Folks that want to have that roadmap to building a business instead of being a real estate agent and showing homes, you know, evenings and weekends. And we've been doing that business since uh, 2013. And I've got two kids, uh, 10 and 12. Yeah, my, my son, it's hard to believe my son's going to be 13 years old, a teenager this year. Oh, getting to the adult age there. Yeah. And uh, got a beautiful wife, Julie, uh, who has her own podcast, which is, uh, which is awesome. Uh, Everyday Miracles podcast. I'll do a plug for that. Um, there we go. She shares uh, uh, just miracles that are all around us and uh, th that never hit the news. 
So it's really awesome watching her and her journey. And, and then, uh, yeah, we've got a great home, live in a great area outside of Charlotte. And uh, that's that's the short bio on me. That's the Lars, man. You're, you're, I love that, you know, you, you say all these things and you found so much struggle. I can only imagine, and we'll dig into it a little bit, but going through the process of, especially real estate in 2007, man, I mean, what, what were some of the, uh, the errors that you ran into to recognize coming through all of it that you're now working one day a week in your real estate business specifically? Yeah, I, you know, people ask me, and even when I was going through it, you know, real estate agent agents are not, they're not highly regarded, you know, because there's a lot of us and chances are you have a friend who's a real estate agent and they may not have, they may not be good at it or, you know, so just as an industry, we're not really, really that, that well regarded. Um, so I would say kind of looking back on, on that time, it was sort of realizing that we weren't that, that well regarded and just knowing that I had to overcome, like I didn't go to my database out of the gate and I had to overcome just the, the natural sort of despise people have for, you know, commission hound real estate agents, you know, commission seeking real estate agents. Yeah. Um, and you know, that philosophy still is in our business today, you know, where if you're going to get into real estate, it's not, you can't just get your license and you're going to be successful. You know, we, we have systems in place, as you know, you know, where we're going to make sure that, that you have the quickest path to getting paid as an agent on our team. And, and that is what is attractive about joining, you know, a, a team like ours or a team like yours. Um, and I'd say the mistake, not a mistake, but I think one thing I did really well out of the gate is that I realized that most of the jobs of a real estate agent, you could hire somebody to do for less than like 50 bucks an hour. Like 80% of the work a real estate agent does, you can hire out for less than 50 bucks an hour. So if you want to make more than 50 bucks an hour, there's nothing wrong with 50 bucks an hour. Sure. Yeah, right. If you're working 2000, 2,500 hours, I mean, it's, it's a good living and it's top income earning in most markets. But if you really want to make the shift to business owner and entrepreneur, entrepreneur has the ability to disconnect time and money. And like, when did, you, when did you run into that? I mean, when did you realize that, that whole concept of behind leverage, you know, I, I leverage means a ton of different things to different people, understandably, but when did that, when did you wake up to that and think like, man, delivering signs. Yeah. What am I doing? Yeah. You know, I, I, I think it was probably two of the first books I read when I got into real estate. The first one was E-Myth Revisited, where it just, I mean, the kind of the E-Myth question is like, how would you think about your business if you had to replicate it 10,000 times? So that had me like, that's been the thing I've been thinking about obsessively for the last, you know, X number of years. And then I read a book by Dan Kennedy, it was called No BS Time Management for Entrepreneurs. It was the second edition of that book. And there was a chapter in that book. This was back in 2007 when I had just got my license. There was a chapter in that book where you basically calculated, you know, your income versus the hours that you work. And like, what, what, what is that number really? My first year in real estate, it was 16 bucks an hour. 
man. I, I worked 10 months. I'm, I netted pre-tax 36 grand on like 246,000 gross. My broker took a whole chunk because I didn't know anything. I wasn't with one of the big brokers. And I netted like 36 because I was trying everything. And so I was like, there's no way. I left a corporate job making 200, uh, 100 bucks an hour. I made 200 grand working 2,000 hours. No stress at all. And it was a really great job. And I'm like, if I made a hundred bucks an hour, I committed once I read that book and I did that calculation, it must've been in 2008 that I read the book because I remember doing the calculation on my 2007 income and, and hours that I had put in and everything that and an e-myth, everything just changed. And I just started to break down all the different things a real estate agent does. And there's like 12 kind of distinctive things that happen in working with buyers and sellers and generating leads and marketing and you know, all of that and the logistics of running signs and entering listings in the MLS. And there's like 12 different chunks of activities and there's only a couple that get you paid really well, you know, and it's, it says it's being in front of a client, not necessarily showing homes, but securing, securing a buyer or seller, those consultations and then lead generating, which I never loved lead generating, but I did it because it was the most, Right. You know, the most highly paid thing I could do in my business. So um, I guess you asked the question, like, what's one mistake? Um, spending, you know, spending money, <laughs> spending money on, on things, hoping it would sort of shortcut things. Yeah, like me. all the shiny objects. You know, when we go to these conferences and they, of course, you're walking through the bright room with all the flashy stuff all over the place and try this this new database management and this follow-up. And then these, these, this will send videos to your clients, all of your clients, but then you're, you're like not even lead generating. You don't have any clients. <laughs> yeah. Shiny stuff. Uh, man. Yeah. So kind of falling, you know, falling a little bit into that trap in the early days. Um, you know, just thinking that there was a, there was a, 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 a shortcut to, uh, to the, to the solution. Um, even though I failed a lot, I did more things right in terms of just be willing to fail at a thing that I know I had needed to get good at in order to step out of that thing. Like in, in your business, you've, you're making the transition to leading and managing versus the doing. Sure. You know, but man, it's tough to lead and manage if you haven't done the thing. Yeah. You know, so it's quickly learning like, okay, how long do I need to show homes? For me, it was like, how long do I need to show homes before I don't do this crappy thing anymore? Right. You know, how long do I need to go on listing appointments before I don't do that thing anymore? Like, but I, I lined up listing appointments, man. Every Saturday for like two years, I went on 9, 11, and 1. Like, it was just part of my Saturday. You know, I, I lost all that time from 8 in the morning till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. For like two years, I was our listing agent. And, you know, I think part of it was I, I gave that opportunity for someone to put those appointments on my calendar. So I think that was probably where I made a mistake. I think, I think any agent can set better standards, you know, for themselves and teach their team members how to do that to a certain extent. And I don't think that's taught very often. You know, I think part of us not being highly regarded or respected is the fact that we're willing to work as an industry. You can find an agent that'll show you a home at nine o'clock at night, you know, on a Friday night and leave oh, dinner incredible. to do it. And then they answer their phone at 10 at night. Yeah. It, oh, it's incredible. It blows my mind. People just allow that. So how do you, how do you, how does Lars set standards? How do you set standards for yourself 
to to protect your your life and your sanity you know running a, a several different businesses that you do how do you how do you set standards around all of that for yourself for your wife and your kids you know that's a really good question um i just i i think from an early like from early on i define growth differently than our industry did where you know, you've been in our industry long enough where if you've been around some of these masterminds and high level teams, all they're talking about is top line. Yeah. You know, where I'm, I'm really not that interested in top line. I don't care if we're going to, I mean, of course I want to grow, but that's only one way to measure growth. You know, the, the number of hours you put in your business, the stress that you're enduring, you know, your physical body, your walk with God, your relationship with your spouse, with your children. You know, those, those things, it's, I think it's, I think Gary Keller said this where it's almost cheating. If you're willing to work two work weeks every week, it's cheating because I mean, God did not intend us to work, you know, 12 to 15 hour days right. and seven days a week and to, 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 you know, not take care of our, our family life or those sorts of things. So I think in terms of standards, it's like, I've just been on this journey to, you know, how do I achieve at a high level in multiple areas of my life? And the only way to do it is to make sure that the area that matters the least is the number of homes that you're going to sell. Make sure that that doesn't take up your whole calendar. Because I mean, my morning routine is like three hours now. And so if I'm going to, and I, I, have to, I have to figure out a way to start work at 10 o'clock in the morning so that I don't have to get up at 5 a.m. Because getting up at 5 a.m. is not great. I don't care if you think it's like this prestigious club, but unless you're going to bed at 9 p.m., you shouldn't be getting up at 5 a.m. So I don't go to bed at 9 p.m. My kids are older where they, they keep me up till after 11 every night and I still need <laughs> seven and a half hours. Yep. So just having boundaries around your time and then when you're working, like you better make sure the things you're doing in your business, no matter what your business is, are like the most dollar productive things that you could possibly be doing. You know, and, and for most real estate agents, it's, it's PLAN, right? We all learn prospecting, lead follow-up appointments and negotiating deals. As you make the transition to building a, a business and leading, you know, it's, it's, I think Tim Heil said it's, I, I do it, we do it, they do it, you know? So only letting people in your world that are willing to do the things that you know need to get done to be successful. And, uh, and it's those four things. And then you're just going to a different version of it where maybe you're just calling your personal database or maybe you're just recruiting folks. But, you know, unless, until you get to that $100 million mark, you know, you're probably still lead generating. You're just lead generating for talent you know, until you can afford a full-time recruiter. So I don't know if that answered your question or I'm just no, that's, or... no that, that's great, man. I, I love it. I absolutely love it going a little bit deeper on it too. So, so we, we understand it. I mean, and you even said it a little later in all of that. I mean, just really protecting and putting boundaries around your life. So when you identify those areas, how do you, how do you do that? I mean, it, it's great to know like, Hey, I've got boundaries in my life. That's perfect. What are they, what are they surrounding? I mean, what is the moat 
really like thinking of like castle terminology, I guess, but like, what is the moat protecting? Like, how do you identify what to protect? Like, is it, is it your faith? Is it, is it? Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. Good, good question. So, I mean, you've probably been through the, the same exercise. There's just areas of your life, you know, so whether it's, it's the Tony Robbins, you know, life wheel or business wheel, or there's a seven F's version of it that, that we use. Yeah. Um, it takes time and intentionality to be, to grow each of those areas in relation to the others. Like it's, it's a wheel will not turn if you're a 10 out of 10 in business and even a 10 out of 10 financially, but you've neglected your spouse and your children, your physical health, you could literally die mm -hmm. or your emotional well-being. We had someone in Keller Williams in 2018 commit suicide. Like game over at that yeah. point. It didn't matter that he had a top five team in KW. I don't know how much money he had or if his wife was great. They seemed great. I didn't know him. I know nothing about the dude. So I can't, I can't, it's not a commentary on that specific situation, but you have people that are not emotionally well. They're not spiritually well. They're not physically well. They're not relationally right with their spouse or their kids or friendships or surrounding themselves with other men. And they're all in, in their business. And it's like complete bullshit. And it's, yeah. it's something that I see in our industry that, you know, it probably happens in every industry, but I, I get such a, a, a sort of backstage view to our industry that it just, I think it's the wrong conversations that we're having as an industry, yeah. you know, where, it's, I think it's just crazy. You know, solo agents have to work 60 to 70 hours a week to make a, a, a six figure income, you know, where the real estate team is, is there to make it easier for them. So these really well-run real estate teams are there to help agents time, money, stress, you know, work less hours, make more money and have less stress doing it where, you know, Generally, people come to our industry, they want to be the name on the sign, they want to be the pitcher and the brand, and it's this crazy thing that is, you know. That's not important to them when they actually actually are going through the motions. They just think, of, like, oh, that, that billboard, that'd be great if that was me instead of that guy. Yeah. Or what? Right. Like, why? Exactly. Why? Yeah. So what is what does the three-hour morning routine look like, man? I know you, you had mentioned it. Your your morning. Yeah, so it is. Um, so you're you're super busy. I can only imagine. Like you, once once the clock starts, I mean, you're getting pulled in a million different directions, or someone's trying to pull you into a million different directions. So, how do and you I think that's I think that's a good a good point. So, and I struggle like everyone struggles. So there's no preaching in any of what I'm about about to say. I failed in all of this, in multiple parts of my journey. Um, I, I have like a tighter one hour routine. So that includes, you know, I, I do the abide app where I'm, I'm meditating on scripture. Yeah, I'm yeah. reading the Bible. Um, I'm doing headspace, which is I'm doing it. I keep redoing the same series on anxiety. It's 30 <laughs> sessions long and I just go back to the beginning and I keep doing it. Um, I don't suffer from like, like anxiety attacks. I'm just always going. Yeah. So I, I just do that to kind of keep me grounded. Um, what else is in that, in that, I mean, that takes about 45 minutes to get through that. Usually the kids are getting up. Um, we're on summer schedule now. Um, I'm getting my workouts done in the morning. So that's a full 60 minutes. And then I've got an hour of family time in there 
you know, so it's, it really is like a full three hours before I show up at the office. And most people to get it done, they have to get up at five to be at the office by eight. That's where the 5am club started. Like if you really want to get your morning routine dialed in and get a workout in, you know, you've got to have that three hour gap and you still want to be a good dad and, and all of that. Um, but then I was able to like swim with my son for a half hour this morning before I started my work week. Oh, that's you know? great. Yeah. Which was, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, you can't replace those memories and experiences. No. At so, all. Yeah. I, I just think, you know, in the last year I, I've kind of shifted my focus, even in real estate B school, it's like, what, how can I, I want to be the guy that's going to help all these other guys and girls out there that are hard charging business people to not have regrets in other areas of their life. That's amazing. You know, like and, that to and, me, uh, even, even going through a lot of the content that you, you've put together with B school. I mean, it, it's so true. And I, I love hearing you say that as well. It's so true. You are that guy, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I appreciate that. I, and you know, I, I just don't think a lot of guys are willing to have, to challenge each other, you know, with real accountability where I don't give a crap how many homes you sell. Yeah. Like chances are, if you figure out how to sell 20 million or 50 million or a hundred million, and it hopefully it's on the right economic model, which is a whole nother podcast episode. Um, you're going to be successful. You're going to die with money. My question is like, where are you going to have regrets? Where are you going to screw up your life? Yeah. You know, your physical body, your spiritual, emotionally, you know, there's real pain and suffering in emotional and spiritual wellness and physical, you know, to bypass physical health over achievement in business or finances, and then your spouse and your kids, you know, so there's so many things that we can do to derail those other areas and drift in our marriage, drift as a parent, you know, drift in the areas of life that really matter. Man, so, so was there was there like a wake a wake up call moment, so to speak, where where you you actually had this realization that hey man, I like I don't well, I, I don't need to sell sixty a hundred homes to one hundred fifty well like whatever it is as just me I don't need to do that. Yeah, I mean I think it was. There's two things that come to mind when you ask that question. The first is that you know my my dad, I didn't have like a great childhood. My dad. My parents got divorced when I was four. My mom moved out. We left. We lived in this like really low income, bad area, like just shady stuff that I saw as a as a young kid. My dad was an alcoholic and he drank till I was fifteen years old. And so, like, I know there's a big part of me that is seeking achievement and and freedom financially because I don't want to go back there. Right. Um. So that's that's probably the biggest sort of like not so healthy, but at least it's manifesting itself in a little bit of a, a socially acceptable, like, Hey, I've got a lot of money and I've got two successful businesses. Like it's okay. Um, but there, there are dark sides to that too, like working all the time and, you know, thinking about business all the time and controlling stuff and, and having fear around that. Um, but then the second thing that comes to mind is really, you know, I, I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior in 2009 and the journey I'm on now and how I see what matters and what doesn't matter is a hundred percent a reflection of my faith. And so it does translate itself even to folks that don't share my faith. Like, I just want you to be a good dad and I want you to be a good husband. And I 
want your physical body to be in good shape. And I want you to have a connection with something bigger than yourself, you know, and I want you to be emotionally well, but um, yeah, none of this stuff matters. If you, if you believe what I believe, you know, the effort you put in your business is for naught if you don't connect with folks that are struggling and you could take that. I mean, that's just a leadership principle. Well, you better make sure you care about the people that are, that are coming into your world because you, you more than any other job they'll ever have in their life, you have the ability to really shape who they are as a person. You know, on our team, we're a, a Christian owned business. So we have the ability to share our faith directly with our team members. We have chaplains in our company. We have a compassion program, which is, you know, faith-based. We pray every week as a team. We're showing a sermon tomorrow, you know, with our team. Yeah. That's so powerful, man. Yeah. So, so that to, to me, that's where it's, it's really come into like the true purpose of, of why I'm here is to, you know, is to glorify God through, the businesses that he's allowed me to, to manage, That's you know? Great. And, and I think even if like, just to go back, cause I don't want it to come off as preachy, but if you view your business as not yours and like, this is just something you get to manage and you get to steward. That's one mistake I made early on is that I, I, in the early days I built my business to serve me rather than me building the business to serve something else. And even if you don't believe in God, like God owns your business, you could build your business to serve your team. Yep. Way different way to look at it. You know, it, um, and I wish I would have known that earlier on. It took me some hard mistakes with some people I really cared about in my business, just really difficult realizations around the way that I treated them. Unbeknownst to me, I put quotes around that because once they sort of shined a light on it, I could see why they would feel the way that I, that, that they did, you know, so you, so, you had to hear from them firsthand who you were showing up as. Yeah. And it there, there were some tough, some tough realizations in there about how, you know, nothing they ever did was good enough. You know, um, this was probably five, six years ago. Some what was that? Things. What was that like for you uh, as a leader? It was hard, you know, because I think when you're the guy, like you feel like you're taking all the risks, this is your baby that you're letting them care for. Like there is this natural tension, you know, you're always going to feel as the business owner. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was, it was kind of tough. A couple conversations in particular that I can remember that just really like, just like dagger in the heart, like, man, I just, and like, just both, I could, I could cry thinking about one of them, um, you know, just really uh, just missed the mark in a, in, in the way I ran the business in the early days, you know, where they still had an awesome opportunity. They still made lots of money, but there was still this disconnect with, and it, it, it straight up came from me having the team there to, to serve me and my lifestyle and what I wanted versus like a hundred percent, it has to be the other way. Like you must be building this thing to serve your team. And if you do that, you still get the thing that I was looking for. Yeah. Like, man. you know, because yeah. nobody else is going to, nobody else, they're never going to have an opportunity to be cared for as much as like the best run real estate team where, you know, it doesn't mean there's not accountability or standards or tough love or difficult conversations, 
but you know, the business is there to help those in it achieve at a level that they couldn't without the team. What, what was your mindset like? And, and I guess first, let me ask you this. I mean, have there been times when you, you considered quitting and closing the door, locking it, throwing the key down the drain? For sure. It's, it's actually not an uncommon thing for entrepreneurs. You know, it's like business suicide where you just, you know, the thought of you're forced to do things in your business that, you know, you just don't want to do and you don't need to do. And, um, you know, I would say when my, my, I don't have a natural, well, not even a natural ability, but I don't have a desire like to, to, to do what you're doing in your business to really like be in it with your agents and, you know, managing and leading from the field, you know, being that player coach that you are. Yeah. Um, that is, that is something that I, I do not love. And I was forced to do that at one point in my business after I'd been out of my business for a while where I was just like, screw this, this is not, I don't need this. Like, I don't want to be involved in every transaction. I don't want to coach them how to write an offer. Like, (laughs) you know, so, um, and yeah, so there were times where it, it, it went back into more time and more stress than I was willing to give it um, because I probably didn't have the right people in there leading and managing, you know, so I had made the initial mistake to put the agents under the care of somebody who wasn't really, who didn't have a heart of service. Right. And, you know, so I was just cranky that I had to be the one to come in and do it and I didn't do it very well. So So what is is your resilient mindset like to push Mm -hmm. through? I mean, from starting the business, you left a job, you were making, you know, great money and then getting into real estate. What was the push? What was your mindset? And then the market tanked. What was the push? How did you get through it? You had tough conversations. You heard it. You, I mean, from others that you were leading, you heard it. How did you push, get through it? What was your mindset like? How do you keep going back to this? Yeah, I would say, I mean, it really was, you know, leaving the corporate world, like I, I, I saw close up what it took to be successful in like, to have a million dollar payday in a corporate environment. I saw it once in, when I worked for Bear Stearns, um, a guy got a million dollar bonus, but he was living at the office a hundred hours a week. And he was like hundred pounds overweight, maybe more. Oh. He was just fit. He was, it was just a train wreck, but everyone loved him. Like he was, and I was like, so I left that. I made like 90 grand in that job. And that was back in like 1997. And that was like a year out of engineering school. I transitioned over to finance by working as, as an analyst, a grunt analyst. Um, and then I also saw, saw it in corporate America, a guy that was traveling every Sunday through Friday. And he finally did become the chairman of a $4 billion public company, um, making a million bucks. And I'm like, man, you couldn't pay me to do that. Like he moved his family 12 times in 10 years. And so, um, for me, it was to create a life for my family that in the early days, it was like word for word on my plan. It was to create a life for my family that they never thought was possible. How do you live to that every day? Knowing that you're, you're on the right path, you're doing the right things. How do you do that? 
I, it's, it's an okay question. Um, but we have the life now that we never thought was possible. So now it's like, well, what do I do now? You know, so for, I, for others that are listening, how did you do that? And maybe they, yeah, but, but I was going to say, I have a good answer for it now is that now it's a hundred percent. There are people in my world that have an opportunity like you do in your business to step up and create voids for those under you, for them to step up and for you to, to, to do more and have more of an impact. Um, that's the thing that gets me excited now about doing what I do. Um, and also having a voice in an industry that's broken to me is really cool. Now, back then it, it was like, you know, I wanted to have time and money freedom and yeah. I was so laser focused. Like I knew I can back then real estate teams were not very popular, you know, so they were just sort of becoming a thing. And I knew that I knew that I wasn't that important. I listened to a sermon. Uh, I go to Elevation Church. Stephen Furtick is my pastor. And he, the title of a sermon was, You're Not That Important. And this was in the early days of, of my real estate team. And that just gave me the confidence to keep pushing through to build the business that didn't rely on me. Um, and I had two young kids and wanted to be a good dad because I didn't have a good dad. You know, it was probably more around the fatherhood thing than yeah. anything else. Like I was going to push through so that I could have complete freedom of time and money for my children. And now of course they don't want to hang out with me. So <laughs> now I have like all of it. Um, but I did get, you know, I did manage to achieve it early uh, early on enough where I could take advantage of extra time with them. Um, but I'm just showing up differently for them now. So it's, it's more of a coach, you know, for them now than, than in the beginning, it was more like just keeping them alive and you know, <laughs> yeah. not do something stupid. So. Yeah. Right. Right. What, tell me, tell me your viewpoint on, on what accountability is. What, what does accountability mean to you? I'll give you the, the truth. The truthful answer is that I've, I've struggled with accountability in the early parts of my career. And I wish I, understood it the way I understood it today. It is, uh, and someone that we know real well taught me this, Dave Friedman, um, accountability is love. Like he, he said that in Charleston, he said that on stage at real estate B school and, um, looking back on where I've done really good with accountability and where I've struggled with accountability, I viewed it as this thing you do to somebody and not you know, not for and with somebody. That's so you know? true. It's so and, true. And it's, it is the weirdest thing. Like if it, that is a mistake I a hundred percent made is not really understanding accountability earlier in my, if I could go, I mean, I wouldn't change anything, but that is one thing I would change is to really understand accountability. Just set up the rules of the game really clearly with somebody, be open about it, make sure they can do it. And they've demonstrated a track record of doing it. And then just tell them the things they need to do and just check in and, and make sure they did those things. And I'm, I'm letting you down if I let you off the hook with the standards that we agreed to. Yep. And it's like, and not losing sleep over it. If you're not going to do it, man, that's okay. You could still keep your license and, and just go, go sell homes alone or somewhere else. Like it's just not going to be a thing. And so I made that mistake over and over where just kind of, kind of dragging my feet on, on, and this was earlier on. You know, because my my first full year recruiting, I had two years experience in real estate and I brought 20 years of experience with three agents on my team. So I was in the business for two years 
and I had three agents coming onto my team. And so it was, it was good. It was probably, uh, you know, a six or a seven out of 10 in terms of accountability, but I, I didn't do it. I didn't have this, I didn't have the authority that I have now with, you know, this is just the way, if you want to achieve at a high level in this business, this is what it needs to look like. And it's results or excuses. You know, it really does come down to that in real estate. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. you cannot have both. No, especially when you could track all of it and it's all just a numbers game, right? Just percentages and equations and numbers and backing it out, all that stuff. I mean, it's not rocket science. Yeah, exactly. To admit it, but it's not. So how do you, how do you hold yourself accountable now? How do you hold yourself? Lars, hold yourself accountable. Man, that's a good question. And it, man, it, I mean, do you, do you still rely on, you know, the, the group method of, you know, group accountability or coaching? You know, I, yeah. So, so there are two things I do now. So mine is less like business focus and more just like as, as a, a husband, a father and a business owner. Um, I, I have a small accountability group. Uh, two other guys that I meet with and we just talk about four areas of our life once a week, our thought lives, our physical bodies. Are we getting in the word um, often enough? And then our relationships and we're like completely transparent. And so like really soul level accountability, that is what I do just to make sure I don't mess up. And if I'm going into an area in one of those areas that is not going to serve me long-term. I'm telling these guys about it so they can, so it's not this, you know, scary thing. Uh, the other thing I do is that, um, I'm in a group called C12, which is, uh, it's like a board of directors for your business. Um, but it's Christian business owners. So we're using our businesses as ministries and we hold ourselves accountable to doing it. And I've been in that group for about, yeah, it's a really powerful group. It's really unique. Um, it's not in every market because it's actually, there's only about 3000 members in the country, um, which is crazy. Cause I think there should be like 3 million, <laughs> uh, but those guys are pretty like right out of the gate. Um, it's not only men, but my group is all men, but right out of the gate, I was able to talk openly about where I struggle as a business owner and you know, in my personal life with these guys. Um, and I, I, I do better in some areas of my life than some of those guys. And I can call them out on it. Like one guy has like two five hour energies in front of him every C12 meeting he comes to. Oh, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> Whoa. I'm like, what are you doing? And he, you could tell he's not physically where he needs to be. And so I can lovingly call him out on it. And like, what, what are you doing? You know, you've got three young kids, three kids under four or something like that. Like I get stress eating, but you can have a heart attack. Like he's in really bad shape and he's just caffeinating. So those are the things that come to mind around accountability now. Um, back in the day, it was accountability to, to my numbers. Yeah. Like I didn't need a coach necessarily to tell me that I needed to track conversions. Right. You know? And so, but I was tracking all of the, you know, dials, contacts, set, met, sign on both sides for myself. And then agents that came into my world just did the same thing. So, um, yeah, my accountability now is is around like, how can I make most of the opportunity that God has given me? Like really make a, 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 just an amazing impact, you know, and just help people that are struggling 
to come out of the darkness around it or the shame around it and just let's just have a conversation about it whether it's your finances or you know your whatever your physical body or your thought life or you know let's just let's put it out in the light and it's you know let's just deal with it so that's kind of what i enjoy doing now and with all all of the the terrible things that we see in the media and what's taking place, uh, you know, across the country, around the world right now, whether it's, you know, with, with the protesting that's taking place or if it's COVID that's taking place, how would you, if you were to, to speak to the entire world simultaneously, everybody's listening to Lars, how would you encourage people or what would you tell them and, and advise them on how to get out of the darkness? Man, that is a good, deep question. Um, you know, I, for me, this is a, um, a, a faith question. I think there's just like the, the people's heart, you know, I, I think, I think it's a, it's a heart issue, you know, where what do you mean? if, if we just had more love and compassion, and this is me not preaching, this is me slowing down and you know, getting to know my neighbor and just having less of a focus on the, the fake relationships and more of a focus on like the real relationships. Yeah. You know, Facebook is like such a, it's a good, it's a good business tool that we can leverage, but it is really a bad, a bad thing. And I'm not preaching because right there, that guy and that guy, they're both we live in a really nice neighborhood and I know his name, Wayne. He's an older guy, African-American dude. And I had to ask my wife, our next door neighbors, this guy right here, his name is Robert and he's African-American. And, um, we don't like, we brought over cookies when they moved in a year ago and it's not a racial thing, but we're not being a good neighbor. Like, so I think if we were just better neighbors to each other, neighbor is like, everyone in the world but literally start by being a better neighbor find out what and this is me talking to me so find out where he's struggling and if there's anything i can do to help make sure he knows that if he's not able to get home and his kids need somewhere to go that they can come over here you know we're just not being great neighbors right now um i think that is where it could it could start and then just having more even though the 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 racial tension it doesn't directly relate to me. I know that I'm not, um, I'm not racist at all, but I know that I fall into the category of being silent and not having an opinion or doing anything to, um, I watched a movie, a documentary for the second time last night. I think it's called 13th. Um, man, what, I don't know what uh, much about, I saw someone, I don't know who told me about it's that. really it's it's pretty powerful it's just it's it's even though slavery was abolished at a certain point there's all these different forms of slavery that have come into our country and the prison system is the modern day slavery and our prisons gotcha, have yeah. gone from like two hundred thousand to 2.4 million over the last 20 years and it's like 40 percent black and so and there's all of this like it'll blow your mind if you watch it it's it's hard not to to have to 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 want to do something i don't i haven't figured out what up what i can do yet except just to be better neighbor to that guy yeah 
that's like right there and i see them all Dude, the time what's, what's awesome is like that's that's the that's the lead measure right it's like just hey how can i help you out and then like yeah. what you know what the big goal is right it's just for yeah. fullness and all of that but that's and i'm running i'm out in the neighborhood all the time i'm walking past these people you know but i i blame it on my introvertedness or the fact that i've used 10,000 words today and i only had 5,000 to use like i'm all <laughs> all worded out so um i think if more of us got you know, away from our cell phones and just got into real conversations, I think the world would be a better place. And for me, you know, not, not jumping, not pretending that I understand your journey, you know, where like we all have the same deck of cards. Like we all, I didn't have a great childhood and I made a, but I didn't have to deal with some of the things that other people have to deal with. Yeah. And, you know, so even with my jacked up childhood, I probably had a leg up to someone who had a, you know, a better upbringing than, or a worse upbringing than me or whatever. So I don't know. I don't have an answer on any of it, except that I need to do a better job of just being a better neighbor and, and modeling, like what would Jesus do, you know, in all of this? And he would, he wouldn't be going on Facebook, you know, and polarizing and, you know, trying to take one side or the other or saying that, you know, Floyd had a record and, you know, yeah, like that's right. not helpful. Yeah. Human life is still a human life, you know? So yeah, I don't have a real great answer for that. Um, I thought it was great, dude. That was a fantastic answer. I mean, that's, that is something that every single person could do more of. They may already be doing it at a really high level and they you know, bring cookies every single day to their friends and their neighbors and things like that. I don't know. But I, uh, to your point, I don't know the people who live across the street from me. Yeah. I don't know who they are. I know some people to the sides or behind, whatever, but I don't know. You know, I think everybody can probably relate to that to a degree, but they just don't know their neighbors or they're not compassionate and can't connect or relate to them or they feel that they can't. But on all, all reality, have you tried? Yeah, that's right. Like, oh, I tried everything. Like, okay, what are those things that you tried? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So Lars, I appreciate you so much, man. And and all that you, you've been sharing. I know you've been a, a huge impact and influencer in, in my world and have changed how I view different areas of my life. And, and I can't thank you enough for that. So I'm, I'm excited for others to be able to share that. Uh, with me here now and, and hear it from you. So Lars, you've got real estate B school, anybody who is listening that's in the real estate business, real estate world at any, any position, honestly, you guys know how to master all of it. So you can certainly uh, reach out to Lars and B school. But Lars is going to drop something in the, uh, the BTL toolbox for us. So Lars, what, what kind of tool are you going to be providing to, to us here and to the, the listeners, man? Um, I might have to think about that. Um, cause I don't have one prepared, um, but I want it to be, be helpful. I mean, one, one thing I put together, I guess if you're in real estate versus not in real estate, you know, I put together something that I think is going to be timely for, for a long time. Um, oh, and it has oh. a whole bunch of tools in it, um, is our market shift toolkit. It's got 12 trainings in it and each of the trainings have individual tools. And so that's probably, and I, I mean, I, I think our, like our, 
like our new agent onboarding system is in there or something crazy. Like we're, we're giving away just so much good stuff. And it was really just a reaction to COVID and weird stuff happening. And what could I do right away to get out? And so I think it's called marketshifttoolkit.com. And there's probably, there's no less than a couple dozen tools in there, like tangible tools that they can actually swipe and deploy in their business. Man, that's great. That's awesome. Well, Lars, by the time this uh, this episode is released, I'm sure we'll have some content that we can drop into the toolbox for everybody to access. And for everybody listening, if you do want to access the content that, that Lars is going to be helping us out with, that'll go in the toolbox, you've got to make a charitable donation to a nonprofit. So Lars, what is the nonprofit here that, that you're going with, man? Yeah, I was on the board of directors here for a, it's a local nonprofit called A Child's Place. And uh, in our in our city, um, in just in Mecklenburg County, which is about a million in our metro, there's 6,000 homeless kids. Oh. 6,000 homeless kids. And that's only in one county out of our like 17 or 20 counties or whatnot. So easily over 10,000, maybe 15,000 homeless kids. Uh, a child's place is just Mecklenburg County, which is kind of Charlotte proper. Charlotte sits inside Mecklenburg County. Um, so yeah, a child's place would be would be where where I would where I would go because they're they're serving those kids through the schools, you know, food and um, oh, clothing so and and all that stuff. So I think I have a heart for all of that. So I would I would send them over there. Man, you're you're such an impressive guy and and a great leader, great mentor. And just an amazing appreciate that. example of being a, a just a genuine human being, man. I mean, yeah, I appreciate ups that. and downs, all of it, man. I can't thank you enough for being here and, and saying yes to hopping on here to allow others to learn from you just as I have, man. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Is there any, anything else I can do for you, uh, Brett? You just let me know. Absolutely, man. That's it. Just keep smiling. Just one in the day, one at a time. Awesome. Thanks, brother. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the BTL podcast. That's the Born to Lead podcast. Please be sure to stay up to speed with all of our episodes that we're going to be launching by subscribing to us on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for more information about what we're doing, check us out on Facebook, Born to Lead podcast. And you can also find us on Instagram there too. And when you're ready to elevate yourself and your mindset, Learn more from all of the folks that we've got on the show about their knowledge, attitude, skills, and their habits. Be sure to stay tuned on Facebook. That's how you're going to learn more about where to access and how to access our BTL toolbox, where you'll have all of the content that we were mentioning before. So stay tuned, everybody, and thanks for listening. See you next time.